0: The Experts podcast is powered by Media Stable. Well, welcome to the show. It's Nick Hayes with you. And no Carmen Braidwood today. Calms is having a day off. Uh, But I have got something very, very special uh, in the Experts Podcast today. I've got three members of Media Stable, which this is not a big ad for Media Stable, so don't turn off right now. These are three ladies that are doing very different things, and uh, what I really wanted to do was actually find out what it's been like, what was the first time like working with the media, because there'll be a lot of people that'll be listening here today that are going, is media right for me? Should I be working with it? How do I do it? And could I be any good at it? And uh, we've got three very special experts, Uh, Melanie McAuliffe, Donna Stambulich and Nicole Jamieson. Welcome, ladies.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning.
0: Good morning. And I'm going to start with you, Mel. Uh, You're a physio. You're a scientist. You've got something there that I think just about everyone in media uh, is needing to hear about or know, because they've all had an injury, they've all had a bit of pain, they're all feeling a little sore. What was the first time, what was the first media engagement you did, and what was it like for you?
2: My first media engagement was a radio program, um, and it was Absolutely petrifying. However, I knew that it was something that I so passionately had sat on my toadstool and wanted to do for about 15 years that it was it was like, I wanted to do it. Oh my gosh, and it's finally here. So that was very exciting at the same time. Who was
0: it with? You can't remember? I can't remember. No, was it a male-female uh, host? It was a
2: male host. It was a Friday afternoon and it was on the radio and I believe that we were talking about, of all things at this time of year, Christmas injuries. Ooh,
0: oh. Now, maybe my little memory will come back is it was a, the, uh, the cricket match in the backyard that uh, some 45, 50-year-old men think that they can still play cricket. <laughs> yes, that was it. Oh, I love that story.
2: And it's so typical. Yeah. It is so difficult. Typical. So typically, Australian type of injury to do on Christmas Day, or at least over the Christmas period.
0: I'm, I'm your prime example. I'm your subject case <laughs> here because I, I think that I can do it all, and I and I, I definitely can't uh, around Christmas time, especially after having a few bevvies, <laughs> thinking that I'm uh, Mitchell Stark running down. Uh, <laughs> down the cricket pitch, so and and how did it make you feel? What was that? What was the? You you said you were nervous. You said that you wanted to do it. What? But how did it really make you feel?
2: Look, it was actually very satisfying because what I did is I actually just drew upon anecdotes that. I'd experienced just from actually my career over time. So we even talked about things like called the turkey back. Now, there is no such thing as a turkey back, but in my practice there is a turkey back, which is the amount of times that people actually hurt their lumbar spine because a lot of people's ovens are close to the floor. And what you don't realise <sighs> is that people have a turkey which can weigh several kilos, yep. and you have all your trimmings around the side, and it's boiling hot fat. Yep. So you you don't hold it close to you. You're reaching out. You're oh. bending down. Not often do many of us sit and do a squat with a weight, unless you're a gym bunny. Yep. And then you'll bring it up with boiling hot fat, keeping it as far away from you as possible and putting it down. And then there we go. There goes back. I will see you early January.
0: <laughs> Turkey back. But that's just beautiful storytelling. It's a connection there between something that is happening right in front of us. But, you know, we're, we're just not, not thinking about it. Nope. Turkey back.
2: There's turkey back, and then obviously we talked about our bowling injuries, where every—dare oh. I say it—mostly male Australian thinking they can still do backyard cricket once a year at Christmas time, yep. and uh, we get a, lots of bowling injuries, so we end up with January. The books are filled; it's all lumber injuries and shoulder reconstructions, and basically it's because of Christmas. And that's if they haven't fallen off a ladder or a chair. <laughs> trying to put something on a Christmas tree or even clean the fans and the tops of your curtain rods because you're worried that Aunt Mabel's going to check out how much dust you'd let. Well, it's very good
0: timing this time of the year just as we head into Christmas. So, Everyone listening, yeah, you've been told, Mel is telling you, uh, watch out for those injuries and those little things, those things that we don't normally do. Uh, the 360 odd th- days of the year That's right uh, Nicole Jameson, welcome The Dark Horse Agency Just recently been on uh, an experts podcast with Carms and I with, yes. To talk about your experiences with Meet the Media
1: Yeah, you can't get enough of me we
0: Can't get enough of you <laughs> But you're uh, you're here again Because I want to hear from you Your first media experience You shared a little bit of that From your experience with Meet the Media You got a, a Today Show piece with uh, uh, that was beautifully done But that wasn't your very first piece you did with Media Stable.
1: No, no. I did a radio interview with ABC Queensland um, off the back of the bomb controversy. controversy, Yeah. uh, Try to say Bureau of Meteorology really fast. It's hard. It is difficult. Yeah. And that's, I think, where their inspiration came from, where they were going to be changed to just the Bureau. Um, But in all of their wisdom, didn't claim the social media handles, Um, um, Dark Horse Agency, obviously, is a social media expert uh, agency and manages it for other people. So we all thought that was the funniest thing that we, we've ever seen in our entire lives. Um, yeah, I was really nervous going into that interview. It was my very first one. Um, I do think I somewhat ballsed it up uh, because I came in from a different angle. Um, I came in from a very, (laughs) ha-ha, funny, silly bureau, uh, made this big mistake, uh, what numpties, but um, ABC was coming at it from a very serious perspective of the amount of funding that was required, government funding that was required to do this whole rebrand that wasn't necessary and no one really asked for, so... Um, yeah. how, did,
0: how did they react to you when you were maybe not treating it the same way that they were treating it?
1: Oh, oh I changed tangent very quickly. Right. <laughs> um, so I had, to, And I think that's probably where a lot of my nerves came in and also not having done it before and yeah. not knowing what to expect. And um, it was very early on in my media stable journey. I'm a lot more confident now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it was just um, – it was nerve-wracking, but it was exciting. It's like – you know what you do is, and we don't do it much as adults, you know, unless you're a real thrill seeker, you don't go to the amusement park and go on that roller coaster and get that full adrenaline kind of hit and it's that's what it was and, yeah, I'm addicted now.
0: Addicted. Well, but you're good at what you do. The, the thing was that... Yeah, from an ABC, I would imagine ABC audience is probably not necessarily the, the first audience that you would have been putting your hand up for you've probably come across more as a, an FM or uh, maybe a, sort of a lighter breakfast type program an afternoon's ABC Northern Queensland, crikey.
1: I know I know, but do you know what, it's all a really good experience and um, yeah, for any FM stations out there, I am here <laughs> I for can, you I can,
0: I can see the <laughs> FM stations now lining up Donna Stanbullis, welcome, um, clinical psychologist out there doing things. Uh, a regular, I believe, for the ABC next year with Christine Layton's program. What was your first media experience?
3: Oh, I just love these words that these um, that the girls are using: adrenaline, nerve wracking, exhilarating. It was. Almost like an out-of-body experience. Yeah. (laughs) It was terrifying. Um, It was with the beautiful Christine Layton. Right. um, And who I let know in the morning. That was my first radio gig. Yep. She called me. Uh, We had a lovely chat, like a really personal chat just about ourselves and, you know, our families, et cetera. Totally disarmed me. She sent me through the questions so I could prepare for it uh, beforehand and i I was, and it wasn't in the studio because it was still we were in lockdown, so I was at home. Um, so I made sure I had my water because from previous experience when I've done public speaking before, um, when I get anxious, my Drown-er. mouth goes really dry and yep. then my top lip sticks to, to my teeth and then I'm talking like a gumpy. <laughs> it's a like great this. look. <laughs> it's not a good look. Um, but uh, what I decided to do was um, I actually got dressed up. I was yes. at home, I got dressed up, I put my professional clothes on, I put a pair of heels on, I did my lippy and I felt the part. Yeah. Like, so psychologically I was ready and um, you know that settled the nerves a little bit but as the clock started ticking closer and closer and and it was so funny because it was on performance anxiety of a, um, a sports person and so I thought, right, Donna, this is ridiculous. Get, get yourself together here. And so I went into my garage and I started – on my squat rat rock squat rack and I started busting out some crossfit moves just to get expel some of that nervous energy and I just felt immediately I was so much more settled after that and then I'm on the air and and
0: you did that in your full suit that you've obviously been suited up for yep in my high heels heels.
3: God knows if the neighbours had have walked past or if someone had (laughs) have taken a photo I would have like (laughs) this crazy psychologist like what in the hell is she doing um but it just settled me and it was you know it felt familiar and I felt you know I felt good about myself and you know she's on the air and I'm talking you know it's flowing beautifully whatever and she's like you just you know do you ever get anxiety because you sound so calm (laughs) and I'm sitting there thinking oh my sweet baby Jesus (laughs) I'm like a duck on the top I am like cool calm and collected and underneath the water I am paddling paddling what you wouldn't believe so it was just it was Actually, really, th- it was uh, as um, Nick said, I'm hooked. It was like an addict getting a dopamine rush <laughs> after, and then listening to myself um, come, you know, on the playback, I was like, yep, yeah, I, I went um and R uh, and, you know, got all those, you know, basics wrong, but it was actually really good.
0: But it's human. And I love yeah. the fact that you went back and listened to it because a, a lot of us don't go back and listen to our own media engagements because we we don't like the sound of our own voices or that, but that's the only way that you can go away and improve.
3: Yeah. And you know, and then Bev, my um, amazing media, um, you know, person, she rang me straight away and she said, that was awesome. You know, that was really good. You, you know, you had well a really done. good connection and it was just like... Oh, I can yeah. exhale, and yeah, I just felt mint. And then you just get better and better. Yeah, like you just get more confident. It's just practice. Yeah, oh, I love. I, like also,
0: I love the fact that you got dressed up for the occasion. And <laughs> I know that and for a lot of us, no, but a lot of us in COVID, we were doing interviews in our pajamas, in our in our UGG boots and stuff like that. But that's not, you know, if you most engagements that you'll be doing is if you're in the studio or if you're in person, you you want to get geared up. And I think that gives you that psychological, um, you know, that extra percent of of of, of being in the moment and being part of it. And and I know, Mel, that when you're doing your phone interviews uh, with ABC Tasmania, you go to the same spot. You go to the same location in your house because that's your spot. That's your broadcasting area.
2: Absolutely. I've got the same location, and but I also write down notes. I do. I've got the, the – you do make stick notes, something like 1.5 metres by 1.5 metres.
0: How big? <laughs> they huge. That's wow. a big post-it. That's
2: a big post-it. <laughs> it's they are post-its and I've got this big wall and I just stick them up and I write <laughs> things in different colours. I do exactly the same as you, Donna. I get dressed up and I use red light therapy. What? Okay, so oh. that's my big thing. I use red light therapy. I have some red light on my face. Just go through the body, go through the flu. And then I'm ready to go. And there is actually a fair bit of evidence about doing squats and long chain exercises in regards to <laughs> See, distress.
3: intuitively, Absolutely. I knew what I was doing.
0: So listen, what I, what, I, what I'm going to encourage all three of you to is actually have a listen to the the little work masterclass that Calms and I did on preparing for an interview because I think what you are actually doing is doing the things that are comfortable with you that makes you feel uh, better about what you're doing but also too um, you know Calms made a very good point in that particular masterclass is that don't break your the trends that you normally do or any of your routines that you normally do before a media engagement because you're know, actually they're not making it about you or you're, you're not actually authentically you in the moment. And I think there's some really good points there. But one thing I will say for all three of you is that uh, over prepare and overthinking is oh how much are we doing here? We might need to address this actually, because you know what you've got day jobs that you've got to continue on with. It just can't completely consume you, uh, Nick. For you, um, sort of your prep modes is it? Uh, is there something there that you go through before an engagement and and particularly that first one? I mean. It, it it is and can be very consuming, can't it? It's yeah. You get very caught up in it, and the performance, and then the aftermath. Did you go back and have a listen as well?
1: Yeah, with some one eight hundred tequila. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> used it as some prep work as well. No, I did. Um, I think I learned my lesson that first time. Um, I well and truly overprepared. I had all these notes, and I think that I got way too much in my head that I didn't do that key thing that you've been talking about the whole time as I didn't necessarily listen as closely as I perhaps should have at that first uh, – yeah. the first few questions. And I think that I probably – if I wasn't so nervous and I didn't so over-prepare with all these notes and statistics and facts and numbers, 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 um, if I hadn't have done that, I probably would have heard in their voice like they did mention funding really early on um, – and I probably would have picked up the different direction that it was gone going in. So I think sometimes, well, not even sometimes, I think over-preparing can be your downfall. Yeah. Um, certainly leaning on just what you know, they've got you there as an expert, um, but also for your opinion and your point of view. So, um, you know, there's probably no hard facts and rules about social media. Um, lots of people prove that every single day. So it's my opinion, I think, and my experience that is probably the gold that they're looking for. So when you do too much research and you do get into your own head – sometimes in that research you lean on other people's points of view
0: really good point. Mm. yeah because those stats and that data can take away from what they're
1: actually being asked of you what i know and you know there is a lot of stuff that um that people picture these educators out there you know there's lots of social media experts and there's lots of people teaching things you know how to crochet cats hats and there's experts in every single field and what separates each one of those is a particular point of view. Correct. Yeah. And I think that if you get comfy and you lean in that and have a shot of tequila, <laughs> you'll be sweet ass. <laughs> Just stick
0: to one, don't have too many <laughs> beforehand, because that's a whole different other kind of radio. <laughs> that is an interview. I you. You. <laughs> now, I want to get into the question that uh, I think that is, is the big question, is that why do you do this? Why would you put yourself out there to be in front of the media? Why would you put your expertise on a platform where it can be questioned or quizzed or you know, on the case of social media, have bricks thrown at you mm. because you might not be aligned or might not necessarily going the same view as everyone else. Donna, I, I love what you had to say to us off air was the fact that, um, you know, what uh, referral work that you've managed to, to get through your media engagements, mm. is, that, is that why you do it?
3: Absolutely not. There's, there's, pl- there's enough mental health going around at the moment that there's enough work for everyone. Um, look, I ask myself the question every single time I get asked to do a media gig. Like, I get, you know, I get really anxious and I think, God, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this to myself? Um, and the answer always... Hang
0: on. Hang on. Just, I just want to remind everyone out there listening that this is a psychologist asking themselves, why am I doing this?
3: I know. Um, and it's not about me. It can't, be, it can't be about me. And I think just... Personally, the mental health system is just at crisis point. There's only one of me to go around. People ring up, you know, it's heartbreaking having to tell people, "Sorry, but my books are closed, or I can't see your kid for, you know, eighteen months, etc., etc." So this is actually just my way of actually. Um, giving back to the community. If yep. I can, you know, if I can, you know, give what I have away freely to others, then I can keep what I have as well. If if that makes sense. So makes it's about helping sense. helping the masses, like getting the message out to more people rather than just one on one in fifty minutes. Oh,
0: I love that, and I think there's almost an expectation, and I think that if any leader or any expert that is out there, um, that ability to give back. Uh, is incredibly powerful. The legacy that you're going to leave, uh, it's so important. And I think there's almost a responsibility from those experts and, and people that are, are leading the way to give back and to to, to put their opinion and position uh, forward because if you don't, someone else is going to fill that void or gap. And I think you know it, it's got to come from the people that have the right motivation. Mel, why do you do it? Why, why are you getting yourself out there in, in the media? Look,
2: okay. I realised quite a long time ago that the biggest buzz that I even get from my profession is letting people understand what's going on and when you see that light bulb go off in their head and they that it's not a matter of them coming back and, and even being better they're like going oh I get it now and I'm, I'm doing this and these are the changes that I made and these differences they made and then they go away that feeling of like, yes, they've got it. And, and that self decision making and things like that's my buzz. Mm. And if I could do anything, I would do public speaking full time. I absolutely would. I would do public speaking and media full time because I love, I even just love the randomness of it. So now at the moment, um, on on a radio station that I'm doing in Northern Tasmania on Fridays, they're now starting to get people to ring in. Yeah. And I actually always dreamed about that day that those <laughs> lights used to come up on the old-fashioned phones and they, they'd press it and go, and this is so-and-so coming during it. And it's like, I want that because that's the buzz. But it's not really that different than when I have a total stranger walk into my practice, yep. mm-hmm. you know absolutely nothing about them, you don't know their beliefs, you don't know how they speak, you don't know what the, anything about them. You've got to work out what's going on. In Mm. half an hour and convince them to also be really motivated to do something about it. So, this gives a fantastic platform to actually spend a little bit longer um, putting things out there and starting to get that communication and education and get people interested in making decisions for themselves.
0: Did did any any three of you uh, watch Frasier uh, back in the day? And and, and and I'm just having flashbacks (laughs) of Frasier Crane sort of pressing the buttons. But it is, but you know what I I love about that as well is that the beauty of talk radio uh, is that it could go anywhere and it's not just that structured, uh, you will give three messages and you're out. You know, those strange and unusual calls that you get and it's always the really out there one that just gets people going, wow. Or, you know, it's like anything, you know, when someone asks a question, probably there's a good chance that you're going to ask that same question anyway. It's nice that someone else asked it. It's really powerful and really informative. So, no, and it's
2: scary and it's a thrill at the same time. Yeah. And yet you're bursting to tell them because it's like you've got the knowledge. You've been doing mm. it for long enough. You've, you've seen thousands of people over the years. Um, and the other thing is there's a lot of value in – discussing things with people and telling a story because often people can identify themselves in that story Mm. and I think storytelling is really, really important.
0: I love all of that. Nicole, why do you do it? Why do you get involved with the media?
1: Um, I had to because otherwise my eyeballs were going to roll off into the back of my head Um, because I spent so long (laughs) – I I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of brands over, oh god, ten to fifteen years now, um, and so there was all these people teaching um, brands and publicly how they should be doing social media. And they had only really built up their own profile. They hadn't worked with lots of different, I guess, test cases, lots of different brands, lots of different industries. And they're like, you have to do this, that and the other. And, you know, so that that was irritating um, because I knew there was a lot of strategies in there. I was like, yeah, cool, that worked for you. But did you know that you have to apply this in in a different manner if you're uh, multinational or if you've got uh, franchises or, you know, so there's lots of different ways. You know, social media does have a similar formula, but it has to be tweaked for every single different brand and individual. Also, um, I have two amazing boys, um, but they're what we call the I generation. So they have grown up not knowing a world without iPhones, iPads, mm. the square au pair. Um, so, and I was also very, very sick of hearing so experts, parental experts, uh, saying that we need to restrict all the kids and we need to lock away these devices and we need to do that and the other. And I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. Why don't you try that at home? Um, Yeah, so I was just, I was so sick of them making every parent feel guilty about their situation that they were in and every parent feel like they were doing a shit job. So I was like, do you know what? You're actually not. And do you know what? Instead of banning them or moving to an Amish community where they have no technology, why don't you just be part of their journey? Like, get on Snapchat too. Like, send them some snaps so that you at least have around the dining table something. In common, that you can talk to your kids about. So, I have a very different point of view with that, and my eyeballs, although still roll back into the back of my head, um, at least there is another voice. (laughs) Hmm. No, I'm not going to say of reason, but at least there's another voice out there for people to hear that has uh, lots of experience in lots of different social media things for brands, but also I have kids. They're on their phones all the time. They irritate the shit out of me. You know, it's a constant (laughs) battle. I'm a social media expert and it's a constant battle. Don't feel bad. I
0: I love all of that. And I I, I cannot say that, I mean – couldn't have picked three better experts with three different motivations behind actually doing why what you do and I think you've you've covered off beautifully uh the 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 main reason that we, we're doing all this the number one thing that we didn't cover and this is where for me personally from a media stable perspective is that I, I do media for for building revenue for building customers and clientele and reputation and I think you've, you guys cover all of that but it's uh, it's interesting because everyone's got a different motivation behind doing it and uh um, You know, you can always tell whether they're going to be a successful expert or not uh, from the very time, first time they walk through, is to say, you know, are they going to do it? Nicole, you, you, you look and smile there, but it's like yours is to change the perception. You were upset mm. with the conversation that was going on. Um, for Donna, you've already got enough work in front of you. You don't need more, but you feel like you've got to give back. And, and Mel, you just love and enjoy the banter and conversation. You'd be a full-time speaker if you could. See, I, you catch all that, and I get all that, and that's why you do the media, because at the end of the day, You've got to raise yourself a little bit above the noise, the other noise that's out there so that people can actually say, hey, I love what you've got to say. I want to work with you or or be a part of it. This is good. I'm really enjoying it. We've only got five minutes left, ladies, but I want to also cover off the very last question is where is the future of this for you? Where do you want to take this? Because, again, you're laying down the very foundations of your expertise, your authority in your space, but where do you want to take it? Is it something that you've been thinking about? Have you got a strategy uh, around it? And you should have a strategy. Oh Nicole. my god, I have a strategy. <laughs> you're, a, you're, a, you're a strategy queen. Uh, yes, so I am a digital strategist. We'll start with you. What? What? Where? Where are you going to take this?
1: Uh, bigger, better, faster, harder, more. Um, so I want to, I mean, obviously, I'm not fully altruistic. It, it is obviously for revenue as well. That's an underlying, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not. No, you, but that's not something to be yeah. ashamed of. Mm. In fact, oh, I insha- that's the
0: major motivation for everyone.
1: Yeah. Girls got to buy shoes. <laughs> um, yeah. It, like, um, I just am looking for those constant conversations that I feel like are being missed. So, I mean, there's so many things. And I, I think that. Um, essentially what I've learnt to do since joining the Media Stable is I look at the questions that people ask me every week. So I look at the things that people ask me or the conversations that everyone is having and I just turn that into a media opportunity to talk about it more and to flesh it out a little bit more. So um, I wrote an article this uh, last week. Uh, about working with millennials um I have so many I'm a Gen Xer myself and I had so many of my friends asking me advice because I have a team of very talented creative amazing uh millennials um and they they're boggling sometimes and they do things differently like I had to practically force a phone into one of their hands um so that they would make a phone call um But, yeah, the future for me is just to continue this path and to keep finding those opportunities and to just really stretch it out and probably more so to find... Where my groove is, yeah. so where is the audience that most aligns with the people that are interested in what I've got to say? Yeah. Um, so I think I'm narrowing that down.
0: I think you're going to be very successful with the, particularly with the parents that do feel the guilt, and <laughs> and yeah. there is a lot of We've it got out got there. Enough of that. Yeah, there's a mm. there's a lot of it out there, and I think yeah. you, your perception, the way that you put the your opinion position forward, it it it, it enables, it encourages. Mm. In fact, if anything, it's far more positive than uh, than the constant. Drag and negative negativity that's out there,
1: and particularly coming out of the back of COVID, where we all lent on those Mm. square o pairs, like we
0: (laughs) square o pairs. You said (laughs) it a couple of times now. I'm Uh, loving that. uh,
1: Yeah. Um. So I mean, we all lent on it, and I literally got to the point. I think when my son was seven and a half, when we when the first COVID lockdowns happened, and there was all these things of telling parents, you know, you've got to do this much study and you've got to do this, that and the other. And I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm hanging on by a thread here. Mm. And I was like, do you know what, Charlie, go watch Netflix. I I just didn't put that much pressure on myself. And there was no one out there saying, do you know what? Cut yourself a break. Have a bit of wine at 11 a.m. and let the kids watch Netflix. Like, (laughs) we were in survival mode and no one was saying cut yourself a break. And that's that's. it was during that period that I was like, what? I don't – like all of us – my friends were having that conversation. No, we we let little Johnny go do this and, you, you know. Wait, you waited
0: till 11am. That's <laughs>
1: impressive. Cheapest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was 9am. <laughs> <Hey, laughs>
0: Mel, what's the future? Where do you see this going for you with your media profile and, uh, and delivering your content to media?
2: Oh, look, I would love to have a resident spot on TV and a couple of more radio stations um, and to really start developing into keynote speaking because there's just so much to talk about i I do a mix between tips and tricks for lifestyle and 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 just basically things that should be common knowledge and common sense but they're not because it doesn't trickle down but also dealing with the more difficult issues about pain management or just growing old you know does this is this meant to hurt like am i meant to do this tomorrow there's like there's so much sort of information that needs to disseminate out there and I just love speaking I just want to speak on any and every platform available
0: if there's one guarantee the two topics that you just raised raised then being growing old and pain they're the things that are absolutely guaranteed in life that you're going to experience is pain and growing old and if you can you know break that down demystify a few of the myths and things that are going on I think that there's lots of opportunities and it there doesn't for you.
2: have to be negative no no and a lot of things that we actually assume are part of those processes aren't. It's just bad behaviour that you need yeah. to change.
0: Yeah, and I know with your chat with Kim Napier is, the, is a fun chat as well. Um, and, and I think there is a perception that media has to be negative. Like, it's always bad news. But you can have some fun with it. You Absolutely. can bring it together. And I think if, you've, if you're willing to be playful and enough to do that, you'll, you'll, you'll win. Have a giggle. Have a giggle. We need more giggles. We
2: need
3: more giggles, Donna. I love that. That's exactly what I was just about to say. Like, I want to have fun. Like, therapy can be fun. Yeah. Like, and, uh, you know, humour is the best medicine and relatability and, yeah, just being playful and spontaneous.
0: Is that where you're going with this? Is this the, the, I mean... I
3: I think that's part of it. Um, I think I I came in with a pretty clear sort of idea that I wanted a regular spot. Um, something that I, you know, I work best I- uh, in that sort of format. I know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm a planner. I like to, you know, know what's happening. So, um, next year on ABC afternoons with Christine Layton, So, um, going to be doing. Um, uh, like a um, say, you know, April might be anxiety month, yep. so we're going to run it. So you because you only get like ten or fifteen minutes, so it might be in the first week. It might be psychoeducation, and then it would be you know callbacks, and then maybe some you know, um, you know, some interventions if you like whatever. Um, but what I would really, really love, and I, I love that live radio when you know they open it, you know, yes. open it up for callers, and you don't know what's going to come at you, and you, <laughs> I get excited because I. I, I do know a lot and I want to share that stuff and I usually always do it through humour and storytelling. It's just so important. But I'd love to have a column where they just wrote in and went, Dear Donna, um, th- my husband has just, the you agony know, blah, blah, blah. I found my husband <laughs> dressed up in my underwear. What should I do? You know, like, you know I just, you know, I would love to... What would just your to- response be to that? Oh, all sorts of things. <laughs> you have to tune in, Nick
0: yeah, it's got a bit of agony art about it, but you know what that is the beauty of it all, is that you've got you know anything could happen and uh, and you've got to back yourselves as experts and as commentators because you are that, you, you bring that to the table. and I think sometimes we get too caught up in trying to deliver that perfect performance that we forget that the very essence and the very people that we are uh, is what the media is actually looking for and the audiences at the other end are dying for. They just actually want to hear real human experiences which I think we've had today on this podcast.
1: Mm. Mm. Three fabulous ladies. Oh, <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, that's You're all we've got man.
0: time for, ladies. Hey, I do wish you the very best with uh, your expertise and your, your position in the media. I, I, I see that you've all three of you have had very different experiences and, and having different results. But the number one thing, I could, if I can just leave this with you, is be persistent with it and be consistent. Persistency and consistency is the goal here because the more you're seen out there, the more that you recognise, the more opportunities do present.
1: I feel and like that must be the go-to for all of our... Yes. Yeah. It would be for it you. Is. It absolutely. would be for you. Persistent
0: and consistent. So, yeah, there you go. We just made that up and uh, it's working well for you. Hey, ladies, thanks for joining us on the Express Podcast. I'll quickly go around to you. If, if people want to get in contact with you, Donna, how do they do it?
3: Uh, Donna Stambulich, North Perth Psychology Centre.
0: Lovely. Nicole?
1: Darkhorseagency.com.au. Melanie? Melanie Mack Physiotherapy.
0: There you go. And they have been my three experts that have sat in here for the Experts Podcast. No Carmen Braidwood. Oh, she'll be back next week and she'll be spewing that she missed this one because I think she would have had a lot of fun. And we look forward to having your company when we speak to another expert or another media next week. Have a good one. You've been listening to the Experts Podcast, powered by Media Stable. If you'd like to get in contact with the team, head to mediastable.com.au.